Hello there, welcome to day three of this grand experiment, the Peter Greenwood Stay at Home Show Daily Podcast. God, that name gets absolutely no easier to say over time, does it? My name is Peter Greenwood, I am your host, I am delighted to have your company with me today, but it is not just me today, because I am joined by official guest co-host of the Peter Greenwood Show, she was away, now she's back, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome upon her return, Lisa Kowalski. How are you today, Lisa Kowalski, are you well? Yeah, I'm good, how are you? I'm very well, welcome home, kind of, I guess. Yep, (laughs) yeah, I'm back. You're back. back. In, well, I was going to say back and better than ever, but I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're 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 back, and you're older and older than experience. So, guess technically you're better than ever. I mean, I I, I mean, I I've left when I was nineteen, and I'm back, and I'm twenty. Yeah, so I'm back, go. and I'm older. There you go. That's something. <laughs> yeah. How was it, by the way, for those who don't know? Lisa spent some time away in Holland. Yeah, um, it's a place. It's a place called Tilburg. Um, it's I, I was studying music there, um, and I was supposed to stay from February until the end of July, but unfortunately, coronavirus cut it short. Um, but I had an amazing time there. I was I've lived in Scotland my whole life in Paisley, and I love it. But it was so nice to meet international people and learn about their cultures, experience new things, and I made I made such amazing friends there. So. Um, hopefully, if Brexit doesn't mess up the whole um, Erasmus thing, if any of you guys ever have a chance to study abroad, I, w- I would take it. I think it's a life-changing experience. I'm sorry your time got cut off there, because I was going to come see you at some point. Do you remember after your I know. After a your lot gig, of people wanted see you. to come. And I had a lot of things. I was really ex- excited to show people, because um, it's, it's such a lovely place. But... Um, I'm just instead of being sad about the fact that I'm not there now, I'm just gonna plan and save to go as soon as this is over, so that I have something to look forward to. Quite right too. Let's... If I don't have something to look forward to at the end of this, I think I'm just gonna feel really like depressed and insane. Like I feel like I'll go insane if I don't have something to be happy about at the end. You know? Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people are trying to do. They're trying to focus on something to do when all this is over and trying to stay yeah. positive and thinking about that. The hard thing is, you just don't know when it's going to be over. Yeah, you just keep on hoping that, it, that like, maybe it'll be next week, maybe it'll be next week, and you just keep on hoping and pushing. Hey ho. Because no one has any idea. There's no way to know. And so, like, unis are saying, like, oh, we'll cancel it until April, and then it's April, and then it's June, and then who knows how long it's going to go on for you now. Yeah, but hopefully, the more people stay inside, the more people keep their distance and the more people are hygienic, the safer we are. So just, I hope you guys are being safe and sensible. <laughs> yeah, stay inside and wash your damn hands, people. Yeah. That's the message that we're putting out today. This this is actually one of the reasons I wanted to do this, is to talk about how people are holding in during all this. How are how are you handling the, the quarantine? How are you, how's your mental health? Because you've been quite open about it in the past. Yeah. So how are you... How are you doing, um, if I may ask? I'm trying my best, to be honest. Um, I'm just I'm I'm trying to go out for a walk every day, but obviously keep my distance, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Only locally, but um, I'm trying to go for like a little walk. I'm trying to like keep playing music. When I when I was in Tilburg, um, I find that here people don't dance that often. Um, compared like like unless they're doing it professionally, but like when people go out and party, they don't really dance. They kind of just talk. Whereas over there. People love to dance, and um, so I've discovered, rediscovered that I love that. So I've been doing that a lot more just in my room and just try and find things that distract you and make you happy and um, try and use it to motivate you. You know, like if, if it's if it's making you feel like, oh, like I'm so stressed because I'm going to struggle with like working or something like that, use that as motivation to find more work once it's done, you know? So I, I'm, I'm struggling because I can't perform right now, but I'm just going to plan ahead for things that I can do once it's over. And what I am loving is that every so often you put out a video on your Facebook page, you're doing songs on your Facebook page, which is brilliant. I'm like, oh, little doses of Lisa, that's brilliant. I never really used to do like covers like post them on instagram or anything like that and um this is this is actually a really good thing for me because a lot of my life i've 
hated myself to be honest I've felt very insecure and I've always known that I'm quite a different person like quite unique I guess yeah and sometimes some of the times I love being like different some of the times I feel like I embrace it but other times I feel like I hate it so much and I feel really lonely because of it um since moving to Tilburg I met so many people that were similar to me and had gone through the similar stuff to me and I think that helped boost my confidence so much and now I love posting videos on Instagram of like my covers and stuff like that and everyone else enjoys it too because I was so worried I would do it and everyone would hate it but I've got good reception so it's good (laughs) it's always good when you can find your tribe of people when you can find the people who make you feel like yes I am Mm -hmm. I am my whole life life I never fit in and uh, like it's it's been really hard for me like I struggled with it a lot but like it kind of feels like it was worth it just to find that group of people like I feel like everything every bad group of friends I had was worth it because it led me to them yeah because you even if you even if it was a bad thing that you learned from these people you learned these are not my people I will keep searching for my people yeah exactly yeah so what we're going to do is you're going to stick around for a little while because you are you are still the official guest co-host that didn't go just because you swanned off to europe and you're all fancy you're still the official (laughs) guest co-host of this show so what we're going to do is if you remember back in i don't even know when it was but last year we went to interview orla garland at swg3 do you remember yeah of course how could i forget that was a good time and you were brilliant asking all the questions so that's what we're going to do we're going to play that interview with orla this is the peter greenwood show and as you can probably tell i am not in the studio i have jumped out i have gone out to swg3 to my left is guest co-host lisa gowalski hello lisa gowalski hello (laughs) and on my right is a lady who has been on the show before welcome back all the garland how are you today i'm good how are you i am very well thanks we are here just before your show and we've got so much to talk to you about since last time you were here the ep has been out and you've got the brand new single. How's the reaction been to to the EP? So good. Yeah, I released two new tracks since uh, September. One called Did It To Myself in September, and then another one called Figured Out just now. It's come out um, just over a week ago. And yeah, the reaction's been so sick. I've been very happy with it. They are really good songs, and I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting beside you. (laughs) Imagine you're, like, average at best, but someone (laughs) likes it. Yeah, C+, you can do better. (laughs) Try harder next time. (laughs) Let's talk about the new music, because you do put out singles without having an EP release scheduled. What's the thinking behind that? Is it just giving people more music, or...? Is it building towards something? I think it's pretty common. So these two tracks, the Did It To Myself and Figured Out, will be part of an EP that come out that comes out in February. So rather than just like firing four or five tracks at people at once, I just like to tease it out a little bit more and then have them come together. So that's what I did with the last one, which was called Why Am I Like This, came out in May of this year. And then yeah, these two songs will be joined by three others. So they are part of something slightly bigger. And then after that, I'd love to do a full length. That's the plan, at least. Ooh, before they become exciting. obsolete you know <laughs> what's been the writing process like for the new singles and getting ready for the full length album dare i say the word yeah of course <laughs> album um it's been very insular and a lot just a lot of time on my own which it makes you go a bit mad but i am preferring what i come up with on my own i did a lot of co-writing when i first moved to london a lot of collaborating and I feel like I learned a lot in that process. I think writing is such a, I don't know, everyone does it differently. There's no science to it. And so when you see everyone else's methods, it's really exciting because I met someone once who started with a title, which I would never do. I think that's totally bizarre, but it's just, I think that's kind of what the the co-writing circuit did for me, at least it made me aware of all the other ways to do this thing that to me was before was just so unique and completely my own thing. And so, that process felt really eye-opening and exciting, but I didn't always love what I came out with. When you you know, co-write with other people, it can be a bit of compromise. I definitely felt when I was younger um, that I came out with a lot of stuff that didn't feel very me. It felt like sort of like a diluted version of me um, as I was finding my feet. 
which is sort of some of the stuff that I put out when I was much, much younger. Um, whereas now I think I'm just, I've just a bit more of a control freak. I think I like starting the idea by myself and now finishing it by myself and demoing it by myself and really not getting anyone else involved until the very last process, which is just tidying things up and doing some maybe additional production. So I think it's taken me a while to get to that point, but I feel the closer I've got to that point, the more it feels like a kind of concentrated version of me rather than uh, a part of me and then a bunch of other people and so yeah for me it's been very insular uh, yeah it's just it's a lot of time on my own but I think I've decided I prefer it that way. <laughs> Is that what you're like as a writer Lisa what's your writing process um, like? Yeah I, I think I've started with a title once and that was for Free Spirits but that was just because one of my mom's friends had called me a free spirit and that just gave me a ton of inspiration to like write about myself and um my life and all this stuff um other than that like anytime I write it's just me in my room with my guitar and just like my feelings and stuff so um yeah I've never really had anyone involved in the writing process it's always just been me and like how I feel and getting it all out with my instruments and my voice and stuff like that so yeah sick when you're writing like that, doesn't it... I'm not quite sure how to ask this. Go on. Do you ever get afraid to put yourself out there so much because it is coming from more of you and more of a personal place? Absolutely. It's terrifying. It's something I speak about a lot with... I have a lot of friends in London who are artists. Like anything, you just end up in pockets of people who do what you do. And so I've always... My housemates have always been artists. Um, I live at the moment with my friend Lauren Aquilina that we were speaking about earlier. Um, and one thing that I speak about again and again is that vulnerability, especially when you're... Like for me, these new songs, these past two that I put out and the EP for next year, it's all about one boy. He's going to know it's about him. I'm just going to have to accept that. And... And I have to also accept that those things might hurt him because it's a very one-sided thing. And so I definitely have thought a lot, especially with these last few songs, of should you compromise and maybe make things a little bit more vague? Does that put me in a less of a vulnerable position? Is that less hurtful? Is that less, uh, you know, specific? Mm -hmm. But then my little artist heart is like, no, like, write your truth. Like, be vulnerable because the more open and sometimes specific and literal you are, the more people can understand what the hell are you talking about? And then they might just, maybe not always relate to it, but they can just grasp at it a bit more. I think when I was much younger, I listened back to stuff I wrote when, when I was 16, 17, 18, and I used to, it, the vagueness is unbelievable because I was so terrified to say what I actually felt. It was coded in metaphors. It was a bunch of like weird imagery. Whereas now I think, especially in my own taste, and when I listen to you, I much prefer to listen to songs and just know exactly what they're, about but yeah it's definitely vulnerable the more of your character that you put out there it's always going to be a little a little much but I think you're rewarded for it I think people really I certainly appreciate that in the artists that I love so I think I'll continue to do it but it, yeah it's vulnerable I think I'm the opposite because when I wrote a song about my ex that was like kind of trashing him I just sent him a link to the radio station I was playing it on and I was like here you go <laughs> savage move <laughs> yeah <laughs> he deserved it though he was yeah some people do. I would argue that if you go out with the songwriter, you sort of you, comes you with the territory. You yourself up for it, yeah. Remind me never to date a songwriter. <laughs> now, you've been on tour for quite a while now. What's that been like, going from place to place to place? It's been tiring, but very, very enjoyable. Um, we're only... This is the sixth... We're at the halfway point of my own tour now, so this is the sixth of 12 dates. Um, and so that's a really manageable amount. We'll only be away for just over two weeks. Um, but me, myself and Pete, who's my bass player and MD, also play for another artist called Dodie, who was on tour for almost seven weeks in the States. So we've kind of been on the move since the beginning of September. It's definitely a kind of tiredness that you can like see on your face and, and probably something that won't like fade until after we like take a break for Christmas. But it's one of those things where it's exactly what I want to be doing. Like you're kind of, yes, you're a bit tired and a bit ill and a bit grumpy. There's a lot of moving around and driving. Like we've done about, I think almost like 3000 miles in the last like five days alone. Cause we did Europe and did some like savage seven, eight hour stints. Um, so yeah, it is, it's a lot, but I think in most cases, and certainly on this tour, I mean, the crowds and the shows make all of the other faff kind of worth it. Um, so yeah, it's like a lot. It's a very unusual lifestyle. I was listening to, um, do you know O Wonder? Mm -hmm. So 
a wonder uh, in, there's a girl called Josie um, Josephine and she was doing an interview on a podcast that my friend runs um, Kate McGill and so they were having a chat about touring and she just described it in the perfect way it's just a completely like unnatural state of being mm. to be in a place but not really in a place to be arriving there not really get to like ground yourself and, and see what's around you just don't have to like load in go sound check one thing after another and so it doesn't feel like normal life but now I'm kind of accepting that like it doesn't have to and normal life is like there when you go back yeah. for it so yeah, I'm very grateful to be doing it but yeah it's pretty it's pretty <laughs> knackering <laughs> I imagine Scottish audiences make up for it though I know I'm really excited for the chant I know what you're talking about <laughs> there's always those like people that don't know what it is and they come from America and they have like a family friendly audience and then it starts and they're like what <laughs> i'm very encouraging of the chant it took me by surprise like the first time i played in glasgow like years ago now every time i'm like here we go i don't think you even need to encourage it like it's it's inevitable i'm waiting for the day it happens at one of my concerts i'll start it at one of your concerts. yes <laughs> i was speaking to tessa violet and she said about the, the chant and she said she tried to take it back to america but america didn't really get it so she looks forward to coming to glasgow so she can hear it I don't think it's something the Americans would really understand. Yeah, and why <laughs> why try and bring it anywhere else? It's yeah. such a Scottish thing. I love it. How are plans going for the album, if I may ask? Of course you may. Um, plans, I'm an independent artist. I have a lovely manager, but other than that, the team is just me. I was talking about this with my friend the other day. I've never been in a band. Like, I have a band that play with me, Sarah and Pete. They're amazing. Um, but they're just involved in the live context. So it's very much, think, like, deadlines are things I set myself. I go at my own pace. Now that I write on my own, that can sometimes take a little longer. Um, but I'm pretty determined to get one sort of written and recorded next year, for sure. Um, and if no one else wants to put it out, I'll just put it out myself. So the, that's as far as I've got with the plans, really. I think there's some tracks that I've released already or some that are on these EPs that could fit on there, but I think I, for the moment I'm going to approach it by just starting afresh, writing as much as I can first half of next year. Um, it's a little quieter on the touring front. I've got one support tour with a, an artist called Cave Town, but apart from that, it's it's pretty quiet um, deliberately. So yeah, just going to write as much as I can first half of next year, regroup, see if some of the previously released stuff fits in there then great if not it's just a completely new thing i think i'd prefer that um and then and then go about recording it really yeah that's as far ahead as i've thought really yeah i just wanted to ask like if you have any um advice for other young singer songwriters because you have influenced me a lot and um i'm not really like the kind of songwriter that's looking for like like chart domination and like massive arena tours or something but just to um be in a similar place as you where you release music and like you get a good feedback and you get like good audience members that like sing along to your songs and stuff so just like if you have any advice kind of yeah of course well i also don't know how to be a, a charting arena playing artist so i can't give you any tips in that <laughs> sense but i would say that i think for me the career that i've managed to build has been largely built on just like personal connection and it's been a real slow burn it's not even though i've utilized the internet i've been a, a geek on these platforms i've never had a viral video or one big moment where there was like a surge of attention it's been super slow and steady over the years and i think you know you'll retain so much of it is obviously growing an audience but maybe more so retaining that audience and so i think I would say a lot of the platforms have changed since I started. Like a lot of people ask me like, should they post stuff on YouTube? And they kind of want me to say yes. And I'm like, honestly, no, like I wouldn't bother. I think it's totally oversaturated now. Um, I think I was lucky to get in at a time where it was less so. So um, yeah, I would say that like word of mouth is, is consistently popular. Meeting people after shows really helps when you do like trying to respond to everything on Instagram on Twitter if you do see someone that's new that pops up just sending them a message to be like thanks for the follow like that's the kind of thing that makes them feel welcomed and accepted and something that small could just make them stick around a little longer than they might otherwise so I think it's really all those those really small things um the rest is kind of up to chance and and so much of it is the music that you make I'd like to think that despite all that stuff that I've picked up and learned I still like to think that like good music just will be found and heard somehow and maybe that's naive um, because it feels, I mean, I don't know if you feel this, but it feels to me like the internet's in such a weird place with music discovery in that I would love to see something like what MySpace was for musicians right now. Mm -hmm. 
it doesn't feel like that exists anymore because SoundCloud's dead. Yeah. YouTube's too full up. The new thing's like TikTok, but you only get like 10 seconds and I'm like, that's I not... I don't think... I know there are a couple of songs that have broken on there. Yeah. Um, Tessa had some really good luck with her song Crush, was great on yeah. TikTok, obviously Old Town Road. I think for certain songs, especially ones that lend themselves to like a little bit of like a novelty, I think it's a place, but again, it's 10 seconds. It's not... It's not connection to the song. It's connection to whatever visuals matched yeah. with it. It feels, obviously, I mean, anyone would welcome that kind of attention. But I think, yeah, I, I have a few musician friends starting TikToks, and I'm just like, I don't know. It feels too even even Instagram feels a little hard sometimes. It's not so visual. So I think I think there's a real gap in it, and I'd like to see something come up in the next few years that that feels like what MySpace was, or maybe SoundCloud at a point where it's genuinely music focused it retains people's attention for the length of a song, but also uh, for people to put out songs that are not as not as complete as they have to be to be on Spotify. I think that's the that's the thing. Like I, I discover a lot of music on Spotify, but by the time it reaches there, there's already it's mixed, it's mastered, it's recorded, it's already at a point. And I think that's I guess, you know, not to be too nostalgic, but that's maybe what YouTube was at a point it was reaching artists at that super raw, super early point. Um, and I don't, I don't see what that point is now for people, you know, where you to find people. So, yeah, I feel like my advice is a little limited because there's so much luck and chance involved. But I think, you know, people are hungry for music that is honest and true to people. So, you know, you just keep putting out wherever you can and make the people that are there feel appreciated, you know. This is the voice of Orla Garland. Orla, we're going to play your new single. That sounds like you're my voice. <laughs> <laughs> this is the voice of Orla Garland. I go crazy. <laughs> now, we're going to play your new single. Thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's been fantastic to have you. Please, come on again soon. Would you introduce the single for us, please? Yes. My name is Orla Garland, and this is called Figure It Out. I, and no one ever said it. But I thought that you'd figure it I see your name light up on my phone That was Orla Gartland who was kind enough to sit down and chat with me and guest co-host Lisa Kowalski who is back and we're having a chat and I've missed you so much. I've really missed you. I miss you too. <laughs> I'm glad we got to have this call. I'm really glad because I wanted to check in on because I was checking in on you while you were over over before all this started. Like, hey, how are you getting on? That kind of thing. And then all this started, and I was like, is she okay? Because I've no idea how things were over there. If the if the virus yeah. had spread far, so I was kind of worried about you. Um, I mean, it's kind of over there. The coronavirus. There's more cases in Scotland, but there's more cases in the uk than the netherlands right. if that makes sense That's so we, in, in the netherlands we have more cases in scotland right but the uk has more cases in the netherlands but um the thing is the netherlands hasn't started taking it as seriously as scotland has yet even though we have less cases because we have police all over the street i never mm. saw that there and like people are still allowed to go out and travel to see their friends and their flats and stuff like that that seems bad that seems like what you shouldn't be doing I mean, it's not like you're allowed, You're going out to clubs. Like things like clubs and restaurants are shut, which mm. is good. But like, we were living in Tilburg, and we had a friend that lived in Venlo. And if we wanted to, we were allowed to just go on a train and go see them. Mm. Um, so I think as long as you're doing it, and but you are you are allowed in groups of more than two. So I don't think it's too risky as long as you're keeping your distance from strangers, because everywhere would be really quiet anyway. Right. Oh wow. So. So how are you enjoying being back home? Are you feeling okay about it? Obviously you uh, wish you could still be in Tilburg, but are you managing to, to in reintegrate back into Paisley? I, I would have liked to finish my time in Tilburg because, you know, I was already feeling really sad about the fact that I'd have to leave after six months. So to then have it cut short to less than two months, it was a big shock and disappointment. But obviously Paisley is always going to be my home and I'm I'm just the thing is I don't feel like it's the same as before you know it's hard to feel like I'm back home when I'm not getting to do music or go to blend and stuff like that yeah like it but I think I'd enjoy 
I'd enjoy being back home if it felt like home, but all the things that make it a home for me, I can't really do. Yeah, everything's kind of closed. How is Paisley? Because I haven't left Greenock in about 17 years, it feels like. And how is things in Paisley? Have you been into town? What's it What's it like? Is yeah, it I've been a couple of times. Um, it's, yeah, it's less busy. Everywhere's shut. Um, there's always police on bikes, like in the centre, paroling around. Um, yeah, that's it. There's no buskers anymore, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's just, it's very weird to see. It's one of those things that you didn't think would happen in your lifetime. Yeah. And it just happened. It happened so suddenly. Like, it feels like it was just, it was in one country and then it was in every country and it was like a hundred people and then it was thousands. Yeah. It's, it's gone so quickly. That's one of the things that I'm having my I'm having trouble getting my head around is how quickly it has spread and how quickly everything has changed. Like you said earlier, there has been no kind of adjustment time. It was like all of a sudden, boom, lockdown. And it's just it's tricky to try and get your head around. It's I was I was speaking to my dad about it. He's sixty seven, I believe, sixty seven this year. And mm. I was saying to him that I've never seen anything like it. And I asked him if he'd seen anything like it. And he was like, nope, I've never seen anything like this. And he was in the army and he's traveled the world and stuff. And he's never seen anything like this. So it's a bit bit strange times, yeah. I think. It was crazy. Yeah. What we're going to do now is we're going to take another little bit of a break because we're going to speak to our friend Nas. Do you remember we went and spoke to... Where was it? Was it King Tut's? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yes. It was King Tarts, and you. Do you want to tell the people about the present you made, Nas? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, basically, we bought a Loch Ness monster toy. Mm-hmm. We cut a photo of Nas's face, stuck it on the toy, and called it a Loch Ness monster. Which was genius. I was all about that. I know. I, f- I feel like that was quite a good one. And she posted it on her Instagram story, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> was that the best day of your life when Nas posted that and was like, I gave her that, I gave her that. I mean, I've met Taylor Swift, so yeah. maybe not, but it's up there. <laughs> a pretty good day of your life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the concert she was, was excellent so as well. She was lovely. Oh yeah. I-, I saw her when she supported Hayley Kyoko and um she's an incredible performer, songwriter, and just person. She's so lovely. She really is. She's She's because I didn't know much about her. I have to be honest. I'd, I'd heard a few mm-hmm. of her songs, because yeah. you were talking about a singer called Naz, and I thought it was the rapper Naz. I'm like, okay, okay. Well, Lisa oh, likes yeah, Naz. Yeah. That's interesting. But then I realised it was the other Naz, Double A Z, and I became all about it. So when we went to, went to the gig, it was me, you, and your sister, and it was it was brilliant times. It was excellent. Mm-hmm. She she's actually from the Netherlands. I think she lives maybe. In Rotterdam. Oh, really? So I was hoping, yeah, I was partially hoping I'd run into her, but I never did. <laughs> but it's a, it's a busy place, so yeah. obviously. You well, know, when, you, when you go back, you can, when you go back, you can make it. You can you can meet up with her. Yeah, fingers crossed. We'll make it happen. So this is yeah. our interview with Nas. Ooh. Okay, we'll just start that again. This is the Peter Greenwood Show, and as you can tell, I am not in the studio anymore. I have taken a hop, a skip, and a jump, all in that order, down to King Tut's Wawa Hut in Glasgow. Sitting to my right is guest co-host Lisa Kowalski. Hello, Lisa Kowalski. Hello. We're back again to do another thing. We are indeed. What are we doing today? Do you want to tell us what we're doing? We're going to interview the very incredible Naz. Oh, and that's me. Hello. I could have done so much better in an introduction, but I just, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This show isn't used to good things, so don't worry about it. (laughs) How are you, Naz? Are you well? Oh, I'm super well. Yes, this is my first Scottish interview. And we're honoured that you are our first. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Scottish. Thank you. Same, <laughs> yes. same. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what you've been up to. You've been on tour for a long time. Oh, it would yes. Seem. Yes. How's, how is it? What's, it? what's tour life like? Well, to be really honest, um, I'm someone who either overthinks or just does not think at all. You know, and I just let life happen to me sometimes. And... That's what's happening right now. I mean, literally yesterday I was in Holland and I was building, (laughs) English is not my first language. I was building this case to put a PlayStation in so I could take it with me on tour. And then I went to bed on a boat and then suddenly I woke up in Scotland. 
I, I saw that like PS4 case thing and I sent it to my boyfriend and I was like, if I ever go on tour, you're making me this. Like that's <laughs> the most incredible thing ever. And I see that you play Sims a lot as well. And I'm like, if I was on tour, I would literally be you because I would oh, play wow. Sims all the time back. The thing with Sims is it's exactly the not caring about life and just letting it happen to you. Because yeah. during the Hailey Kyoko tour, I would play Sims a lot and I would be this completely different person, like character in Sims. Yeah. And then in real life, I would be this Hannah Montana who's like a Schmigo in her bed and then this, you know, singer on stage. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the music because you've just released a new EP fairly recently. Yes. Lisa, why don't you tell us a It's bit called The it. Beautiful Struggle and it's very beautiful and I love it so much. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, Damage changed my life. Like I needed Aww. a song like just I love your honesty about mental health in songs because mm. um, I've struggled with mental health for a long time as well and I was always quite scared to sing about it like I had a lot of songs that I wrote about it but I just wasn't sure how many people would understand and um, having you release something like that like it inspired me a lot and gave me a lot of courage and mm. like reassured me that it's okay to sing about these things and talk about these things so like it came at a time where I needed it and like I appreciate it a lot and it's it's just amazing like you have to listen to it it's so good thank you <laughs> I mean the thing is that when people say these things to me I always think that it's actually more your job than mine because you allowed something like music from an artist you don't know personally like a person who sang that to inspire you and affect you in that way you let you let something change you in a good way and that's already a lot of power because yeah. depression can get so far that you can't even get out of bed to take a shower or to even eat. Yeah. So the fact that some people can still let music in is a beautiful thing and it's something you need to thank yourself for as well. How does it feel as a songwriter putting something out there which is so personal and so vulnerable? Is it terrifying? Oh, it's strange because... See, I personally, I don't really have much of a social life. Like, I don't really go out. I just stay in all the time if I can. <laughs> and when I do go out and I meet people or I meet a fan or something or someone from the industry, they always talk about the personal sides of my music because it's only personal. Mm. And that's when I think, oh, damn, I actually wrote about that. <laughs> These people have actually heard this now. And they know. <laughs> and then they see my personality. You know, I can be quite a bubbly person. And then that's actually a problem that I used to have with my first CP. I used to write songs that sounded like who I wanted to be. Someone who's really happy. Something that looked like the way people usually perceived me. Until I realized that just because your personality is very bubbly or happy or colorful doesn't mean that your mind is like that yeah. but you know i'm not the type of person to like sit still and be super quiet and kind of show my depression from the outside so that used to be kind of hard i used to think that no one really believed me when i told them how bad i was doing yeah. until i sent my team like a year of demos with zero happy songs <laughs> and that's when everyone was like okay yeah you yeah. can't fake writing songs like that yeah I, re I relate to that a lot because I feel like I've always been seen as like the bubbly like girl who's like so confident and so happy and I was um and like you like my first EP was like free spirits hearts of gold like all these happy songs and all that and at the time that was what I was feeling but I feel like people expect me to just be able to be that person all mm -hmm. the time and it got like so hard that I had to take like a break from music for a few months and stuff like that. Yeah. I did the exact same. I took a year off between Bits of Nas and The Beautiful Struggle. I still played gigs and stuff, but yeah. I did not release anything. Yeah. And then The Beautiful Struggle is like super sad. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel like you missed music during that period when you were off? Well, I was making music, but I wasn't releasing music. And I did feel a little bit troubled over that because I felt that I had changed so much as a person yet people only knew me from my older music so it was kind of hard to meet people who think they already know who you are when every album or EP is like an audiovisual photo album it's like a picture of who you are at that moment and then you change again and yeah. you're new again that's exactly what I say in one of my new songs as well like in the ending of the beautiful struggle I say everything feels new again. I know that's quite impossible, but you make it feel possible. And that's, I'm saying that to myself. I was just so relieved that music felt new to me again.
So when you came back and started releasing new music, did that feel cathartic at all? And or was it part of, I've got to do this, I've got to keep going? Well, to be really honest, I was doing incredibly terrible when I was releasing The Beautiful Struggle. Like I had this TV show that day and I literally cried so much in my dressing room that the producer had to get me out and be like, dude, you're going to be on TV, okay? You need to get out. Um, and that was a moment, actually, I thought I was going to keep this private, but then I thought someone, like someone in the public world needs to say this out loud. Um, I started taking antidepressants in the week that my release, that my EP was released because I just felt like I could not go on like this anymore. And especially now that people were actually going to hear about it and actually hear my literal thoughts that I wrote without the intention that people would actually ever hear it or without thinking about that kind of freaked me out because every interview I had was suddenly about those things. Mm. Even when I was feeling okay and I felt like I was robbed of my happiness every time I heard my own music. <laughs> um, and I actually started taking medication because I, yeah, I, it was either that or just feeling like there's no tomorrow. Mm. And that's kind of changed my life, to be really honest. And that's why I'm kind of saying it in public because I want people to know there's such a big stigma around medication, but it can actually, if your body can handle it, really change your life. Mm. I feel like, I now understand why people live. Yeah. I understand what color is and I've never felt that ever in my life. I feel like what kids seem to feel. I feel like I'm a child. And I used to feel like I was really old even though I don't know what old what being old is like, but I don't know. It's, it this feels like youth to me. And it's like my life is only starting now. Mm. I was on antidepressants for a year and I came off them a couple of months ago, but things have been like rocky. So I'm thinking about going back on them again. But um, yeah, it's, I don't think people realize how much of a difference it can make. Like they mm -hmm. think like, I've had so many adults come up to me and be like, no, that's not what you need. You need to go to therapy. You need to read this book and all that. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I could read all the world's words in the universe and it's not gonna make me happy tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just don't think people realize how big a difference it can make and that it's okay to need that difference and stuff. And I think it's really good that you're speaking up about that because there's so yeah. many people that would maybe be ashamed or afraid to tell their parents about it and um i think hearing about that from your inspiration can really help you so yeah. yeah and the thing is like it's it's not always up to you because your brain can sometimes just have a chemical imbalance yeah and that's not in your hands so sometimes you just need to bring that back in balance to have those substances back in your brain yeah not everyone is lucky enough to have perfectly functioning heads yeah <laughs> sure. it'd be nice to be able to function one day <laughs> I'm on anti I, in the on in the interest of disclosure and honesty i'm on antidepressants i was mm -hmm. on i've been on them for years this is the voice of nas we are speaking to her backstage at king tut's rawa hut in glasgow let's talk about one of the singles from the ep damaged yes which lisa mentioned earlier yes <laughs> that's a uh, intense song yeah. I think it's fair to say. <laughs> Tell yeah. us a little bit about it. Um, well, I've been writing this book for a while and I was writing a chapter in my book and a lot of the lyrics from Damage were in there. Um, and then the producer I was working with, he was just playing randomly and I started literally reading that chapter in melodies over you know, the production. And I thought, whoa, this song, it... It's exactly what I feel right now, but somehow it's making me feel hopeful, even though the lyrics are so sad. But because of the music behind it, it still lifts you up in a sense. Yeah. And it was crazy. I mean, when I wrote that song and once we started recording it, we both just started crying. And it's never really changed. And if I listen to it now, I'm like, okay, I understand it's super intense, but you know, that's me. <laughs> When it came to putting together the new EP, mm -hmm. was there a conscious stream of thought behind each song? Like, this song will go here, this song will go here, or was it more, yeah, this, this could go kind of anywhere? Not at all. I mean, I don't really make music with a plan. I just make music and then I'm like, oh my God, you guys are totally sisters. You know, um, for instance, I wrote this song about a certain topic the other day, and then I wrote a song about that same topic the other day but like in a completely from a different complete 
from a different perspective. And then I realized if I would put those after each other on an EP, it would sound so cool. Mm. <laughs> but it's more of a subconscious thing. It's like subconsciously your mind is just writing these songs that are all kind of about the same thing, but from different points, of, like f different POVs. And then suddenly it's this body of work that just really makes sense. And I think it only makes sense because it's from the same mind and the mind subconsciously writes these songs. I mean, you can. Th there's people who write songs thinking a lot but for me i just write a load of things and then i pick a few things and i'm like okay this is a song it's i feel like it's more my subconscious writing than actually me myself no i was i was just thinking about like the songwriting thing as well because it is so crazy to see how different people write differently and uh, i'm in university learning music and there's a songwriting workshop and um we get given every week like a certain subject to write to or like a structure and I don't do well with that at all because everything I write about comes from like my heart and my life and all that so when I'm given a subject I'm, I, I, it takes me so much longer than it usually would but then I look around the room and people do better with that and it's, it's really interesting how people can take one thing and write completely different songs with it and stuff so yeah yeah, yeah I mean that's um that's one of the reasons behind the damaged music video as well. Uh, I put online the lyrics of the song and I asked fans to make drawings of their interpretation of the lyrics without hearing the music. Mm -hmm. And then I made a music video out of that. Um, and once they got to see that, that was the first time they'd hear the song. And what I thought was really cool about that is you can see that everyone had a completely different perspective on the exact same words. And that just shows how pain can be such a universal thing yet it's so personal for everybody it's a feeling we all know but mm -hmm. we all experience it in a different way yeah let's talk a little bit about the future because we're coming towards the end <gasps> of 2019 the future. i heard about the future <laughs> once but it's scary so i don't want to go there <laughs> you just released a new ep yes what's coming up in 2020 dare i say the a word album oh my god well the thing is i want to make an album but um the other day my friend was telling me dude you have like so many songs why don't you just put out an album and i said i don't want to put out songs that i didn't make with the intention of an album i actually want you to listen to it and kind of feel mentally forced to listen to the end of the album just because it flows so beautifully you know i want to have like this super coherent thing um, and if time allows me to do it, I hope to release an album end of next year. But um, I'll have to have time. But I will definitely release a project before that. That's Ooh. basically almost finished. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's It sounds a bit happier, but it's also still very sad. <laughs> but it's like a little bit happier. And it's once again a completely different sound. I mean, that's something I've always said. It's the reason why I've called myself Bits of Naz. Um, because I just always want to be show a part of me and not the complete me. And sometimes I want to make more happy music, like bits of Nas, and then it's going to be the super emo kind of slightly alter like kind of alternative EP, the beautiful struggle, and then the next EP is something else again. Nas, I can't thank you enough for your time today. It's been fantastic to sit and talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Thanks for being my first Scottish interview. Oh, we're honoured. <laughs> we're going to play Damaged, just to cheer everybody up. Yes! <laughs> damaged sad face. Damaged sad face. <laughs> I forgot the sad face. <laughs> How dare you? Would you introduce it for us, please? Yes, my name is Naz, and this is my song Damage with a sad face. <laughs> Insecurity is leading the way, but it doesn't know where to go. That was our friend Nas. I'm going to call her our friend because I think she liked us. <laughs> I hope so. She's the best. She is very lovely, isn't she? I do want to talk about something which I don't think we've ever really talked about. You've refer referenced it before and I've asked. And we've talked about it off air. Last, A little okay. bit earlier, you said about meeting Taylor Swift. Oh, yes. And I don't think we've ever talked yes. about it on air. We talked about it off air. But what, oh, wow. Okay. What happened? What was that story? How did you meet Taylor Swift? <laughs> um, so, basically, I think I was 
14 or 15 and from the ages of like 11 till 16 17 i was like a die hard taylor swift fan i'm still a fan i still love her and appreciate like her music and her so much but like i had fan accounts like so much merch all this stuff and so she um was performing in glasgow and um, for the 1989 tour and i was such a big fan that i know what her mom looked like and so i saw her in the staircase below I was like, oh my gosh, it's Taylor Swift's mom. I went downstairs and I was like crying. I was like, hi, I love you so much. I love Taylor so much and stuff. And she had her little American accent. She was like, you guys are so cute. Oh my God. <laughs> and she was asking um, if we'd met Taylor before. And we were like, no, no, no. And she was like, would you like to? And she she gave us wristbands and passes. So we, we uh, stayed until the end of the concert and then went to like a backstage area. And then they took our details and stuff like that. And we walked in this room. There was sofas, lights, pizzas, cookies, drinks. And then we got to talk to our dancers for like five or ten minutes. And then she came in. She's she's so tall. She's so beautiful, like even more beautiful in person. And she's, she's just she's so lovely. She spoke to us for like ten minutes. We lifted her up for the photo. So I've touched Taylor Swift's legs, like her famous legs. I've wow. touched them. I've lifted them up and um she signed a photo and um she followed me on tumblr after as well really <laughs> it was, yeah yeah it was crazy it was like all my dreams coming true in one night it was insane that does sound like an incredible night and yeah. the thing is is that it would have been so easy and so, I, i'm not saying taylor swift's mom sounds lovely but there are some people who would have been like yeah if you give me like 100 quid or 200 quid i'll, I'll get you backstage to come and meet taylor but yeah. she's, she was just like yeah come meet taylor which is lovely yeah like taylor swift she's one of the most famous and successful musicians right now and there's justin bieber he charges like he's less famous than her he charges like five thousand for a meet and greet you get one photo and that's it. Yeah. And she does all this for free. She never makes her fans pay. She can make millions off making fans pay for meeting greets, but she doesn't. And it's it's amazing. And more artists need to be like that because you wouldn't be where you are without your fans. And that's just the truth. I absolutely agree with that. I think there's something so... I, I, I hesitate to use the word humbling, but grounded is a better term, I think. Something so nice about being so celebrity, so grounded, and yeah. doing that for fans, it's, it's lovely. It's just, if someone, someone spends so much time and money giving you appreciation and love, they shouldn't have to pay more money for you to show them that back. I agree. For me, yeah. you know? So what do you remember what you talked to Taylor about? What do you talk to Taylor Swift about? I, I can't imagine having a conversation with her. I remember she complimented my makeup. <laughs> so I told her I told her how I did it and stuff like that. So we talked about that. And I remember I saw a fact online about who she did um her makeup with like a Sharpie once. And so I asked her about that and she was like yeah, I was on a plane and my manager called me. He was like, there's 500 paparazzi outside. And this was when she just started becoming famous. So she wasn't used to it. Right. So she used like Sharpies and eyeliner, <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy. And was she, not? I, I guess nice is a relative term, but was it, could you imagine just like, yeah, just sitting, hanging, chatting to Taylor, or did it feel like you were talking she to a superstar? It was lovely. She, she made you feel like her best friends within, like, like instantly. Just when she walked in the room, you just feel like her aura you could just feel how mm -hmm. kind she is you know you can and people sit and say things like oh she just does it because for publicity but like what publicity is she getting from just be like i don't know it's stupid yeah it doesn't have to be that nice even just taking a photo with a fan is nice but she goes the extra mile you know yeah which is very lovely did you see that i imagine you have did you see the documentary miss americana Oh yeah, of course. I cried so many times at it. I got I got surprisingly emotional about it. I didn't cry, but here's the thing is mm. that it's so easy to sit and be like, yeah, she's a celebrity. She's she's big enough. She can she can take yeah. it. But what got me, and it made me think of you when I watched it, is all the old footage of her as as a young lass, and she just wants yeah. to go and play songs with her guitar. That's what really bothered me and then it would juxtapose to over over news clips of people being like oh she's this she's that and it's like she's just a lass who wants to play her songs yeah. get off her ass yeah I found, the thing for me like i watched it and i feel like i related to a lot of it and 
I think that's why it's important because a lot of the things she deals with, smaller artists deal with as well. And, she, you know, like I'm not saying it's easy for her to deal with, but it is a bit easier because she has a lot of support. She has a, like, she actually gets money out of it. And I know it's not all just about that, but for like smaller artists, we go through the same things that they do and we're broke as well, you yeah. know? So it's, it's, it's hard. And, it's, but I'm glad you made the documentary because I don't think people realize how hard being a musician and a female musician, especially, yeah. like how hard it is. One of the things I am fascinated about in the documentary is it talked about that uh, radio presenter during the meet mm-hmm. and greet who assaulted her. Yeah. And I'm really, I don't want to say I'm pleased they talked about it because it shouldn't have happened, but I'm glad yeah. that it was something that came to light and was given mm-hmm. more exposure. I know it's, uh, you just you can't believe things like that can still happen to people like her. You know, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, but it's 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 definitely good that she talked about it, and yeah, it's horrible she had to go through it. But you know, the more people talk about things like this, the more aware we can be of it and how to react to it and how to prevent it. Yeah, and and the nicer the world becomes. Yes, fingers yes. crossed. Hopefully. Lisa Kowalski, where can people find out more about you online? Um, at this point, pretty much anywhere. <laughs> um, I'm on Facebook, Lisa Kowalski. I'm on Instagram, Lisa Kowalski Music. I'm on Twitter, L Kowalski Music. Um, I'm on Spotify, YouTube, Amazon, all that stuff. YouTube. So yeah, just look up Lisa Kowalski and I'm sure you'll find me somewhere. <laughs> and when the lockdown is is over i imagine there's so many brilliant things coming fingers crossed I, um yeah I, I would like to have a lot of things planned but it's just hard when you don't know the future yeah when you but, don't know um, when you're going to be allowed outside but, your house but you can just go follow me on social media and you'll find out <laughs> and lisa is lovely and she, she as we talked about earlier she started posting more music and it's just Four minutes out. Four minutes out of your day. That'll brighten it up. I agree, I assure you, it'll be brilliant. Lisa, yeah. guest co-host of the Peter Greenwood Show. I thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. I had a great time, and it was good to talk to you again. It was great to speak to you again. Let's do this again soon. Yeah, for sure. And that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and every single body in between, is it for today's show. I thank my guest Lisa Kowalski. I thank my archive guests Nas and Orla Gartland. I'll be back tomorrow with some more guests and some more friends chatting to me. So until then, bye every single body bye.